Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network as we start another week of trading. We are being joined today by Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And we're going to take a look at what's happening in this grain complex today. Of course, an interesting day back at marketing after dealing with the, the weather that we saw in the Midwest over the weekend and continues as it moves these floodwaters, they've moved into Iowa. We know that they're affecting Kansas, Missouri, and all the way southward. And, and Sam, you put it best. This isn't just a northeast Nebraska, you know, northwest Iowa situation. The issues that we're going to see in this grain complex really affecting the entire upper Midwest. And they are, and you don't want to, you know, dance across, uh, you know, disruption of human life, obviously, and, and, and livestock in general, I guess, especially in those areas, because it's going to be a tough one here over the short term. But, yeah, just moving anything uh, really across the upper Midwest here, whether it's because of snow and drifting, which is uh, still a problem up in the Dakotas with trains stuck. Um, but uh, the flooding, as you mentioned, you know, roads, uh, infrastructure in general, bridges, and uh, it is going to start impacting cash markets. Some of these ethanol processors were struggling to get grain in uh, because of that weather here in March. And now as things kind of dry out and get better, I think they're going to have uh, a wall of corn eventually coming to them. But in the flip side of this, they can't really get any of their byproducts out either. So some of these spot markets are going to get a little wonky uh, until the rail markets open up a little bit better, until the trucking uh, you know, situations are kind of figured out here in the weeks ahead. A lot of producers talking that, about that over the weekend, besides the fact that they everywhere you went, it talks weather. It was how is this grain going to get moved, not only from the farm, because we've got roads washed out, we've got roads underwater, to getting them to the buyers to be able to meet those March contracts. There's a lot of nervousness going on. Yeah, I think it's something where you got to have a you know relationship and kind of get ahead of it as you can with your merchandiser. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of understanding here with the situations. Um, in the meantime, you know some of the future spreads uh, could start to suggest some of this movement. We saw that a little bit in the alcohol market today, with the front month up almost uh, a little over three percent at one point here. Um, you know, again, if that ethanol can't get to where it needs to go out of the Midwest, you're going to see a premium paid for it here in the short term. Uh, and that's just one impact of, of what we've seen here take place here in those areas. And we're going to be dealing with this in the weeks ahead. Uh, the lower Mississippi is also going to be an issue. So, again, getting you know empty barges back upstream is going to be a, a tough one here uh, as you go into April and could really start to impact these cash markets. And as we get into May, uh, you know, as soon as things are fit, uh, believe it or not, we will get in the field at some point. Uh, you know, things are going to flip back probably the other way a little bit too far, and uh, it'll be hot and heavy before you know it. I had I had one guy say, "We just need to revert our minds back to the to the late '90s. You know, when we dealt or mid '90s when we dealt with all that flooding that we saw, and then the recent flooding just you know seven eight years ago again on the Missouri River into the Mississippi to remember how we did things and how we marketed in these troubling times." Yeah, and, and there's already been some uh, correlation, obviously, to 1993. Uh, keep in mind, this is you know completely different year. 93, we had um, you know weather that continued to just dump rain continuously throughout that year, and that flooding just uh, was elongated into the you know early growing season. And that's not to say it can't happen again this year, but it, it's obviously happened a little bit earlier this year. It's just a matter of how long it lasts. Some of this river bottom ground certainly could be at risk, though, if it's going to get cut up pretty bad. And, and again, is it going to be fit here in, in 30 to 45 days, even if the farmer wants to plant it? So definitely something to keep an eye on and be think, thinking about talking about um, a, lot, a lot to take place between now and then. What is that old saying, make hay while the sun shines? <laughs> That's right. Uh, early and often when you can. We look at the soybean market. I mean, we saw some lower numbers on the trade. We really saw lower numbers all the way across the grain market today. Are we seeing any influence coming in from South America with the recent dryness that they've been able to have? You know, not really. I don't. It's difficult to see a weather situation coming into play there that could be significant enough to really take a big enough edge off to to change the 
you know, general wind, wind flow of the market right now. Um, you know, you definitely keep an eye on things. And, and, and we've seen, you know, in recent years, especially in Argentina, significantly wet conditions move in into late harvest and make it difficult for uh, shipping and movement of grain in general. And then we've actually seen a little bit of an export windfall the last couple of years because of that. And this year, if that doesn't take place, we're going to continue to see Argentina as a competitor here into, into the May time frame and beyond. I certainly think with the flat price uh, U.S. corn here and the price in general around the world, we're going to continue to ship corn. But uh, we need to continually can, you know, meet that pace or exceed it uh, to keep from the USDA you know, reducing any exports here moving forward. And, and keep in mind, we're only nine trading days away from quarterly stocks and, and planted acreage reports. Uh, and those numbers are certainly going to you know, mean a lot because we're going to also be debating how those numbers are going to change in the weeks after that. Well, we do have um, some planting that's been going on in the south, but they too have had to deal with some adverse weather as well. And producers... I've heard the comments, I've seen them on social media saying, boy, if we can't get into the planting, that's going to put pressure on those producers to the north, though it looks like eastern Corn Belt not as bad off as the western Corn Belt. Absolutely, as it sits today. I mean, we're still a little soggy, but as soon as that frost's out of the ground, you'd be surprised at how, how quickly that uh, that water can move through the profile, and then as soon as you get some sunlight on some you know nice black dirt, it starts to warm things up and uh, things can look a lot different here in a couple weeks. So uh, keep an eye on that. And uh, as things start to warm up, you're going to start to see a lot more chatter. And in some places of the country, I realize it's hard to believe today, but it is going to be coming. Weekly export inspections, were they pretty much in line with expectations? Yeah, not a lot to talk about there. Not enough to you know spook any funds out of their short position. That's something that's going to be a ringing theme here moving forward in the days and weeks ahead as well with the uh, large short positions, record, near record shorts in the grains, particularly corn and wheat. Um, and we started off firmer, I think, in part because of that here last night. But uh, with the general lack of news uh, going on, there's just really not a lot to uh, to get the buying going on today. But but that said, with the short positions being so large, it's hard to see a, a lot of meaningful downside here in the short term as well. Crush margins, are they going to remain on the strong side? You know, you think so, and, and I, I have no reason to think why we won't continue to see our crush figures go up, but it's just a function of, you know, we're already going so strong, how much more upside is there? I think we're going to have a lot more in the years ahead as we continue to expand the U.S. crush, but uh, as it sits today, you know, just take whatever we can and, and hope that China comes back to a market because it's still going to be a, a big hinge point here moving forward with the trade deal, and who knows about timing in, in that regard. Wow, you know, so here we went, did an entire conversation without really bringing up China, but they're just kind of quietly sitting in the background. Yeah, and, and that's not terrible news. I mean, the good news is, uh, you know, if there is bad news in the sense that we don't have a deal yet, at least we continue to see sporadic, you know, sales to them of U.S. ag products. Last week it was the pork. Um, you know, we, we've continued to see interest in U.S. corn, nothing confirmed there. And they Stick around, folks. We've got more. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us. Sam Hudson joins us from Corn Belt Marketing. Before we dive into the cattle side of this livestock trade, I want to talk hogs. And you made a good point. We saw some limit up trade uh, last Friday on this hog market. That reaction, is that kind of trickled over and maybe spurred some sort of trade action within the hogs today? You know, we saw a little bit of follow-through and, and carry over from that, but I think that, you know, what's going to be key now is for this front month April contract, it's holds such a premium to the cash market. You know, it's one thing where if you had some short positions in there or anyone, you know, that has been short pushed out of the market um, and, and kind of covering those in, in anticipation that with African, you know, uh, African swine fever and everything that you're going to 
eventually blow the market up and under the thoughts that the world pork supply is just going to be so low that the U.S. is going to have to fill a hole somewhere. And I don't doubt that that's going to be an issue. The question is when. And I think uh, when you look at these prices now, what they've done you know, from a producer standpoint, you got to look to take advantage of that in some way, shape, or form to at least set some sort of floor uh, in place on production here moving forward to make sure that you're covering your, your uh, you know, rear end, I guess, on that as far as exposure, especially the way things have been tough here for so long. So we can't guarantee anything. It was good to see uh, not only the the Chinese purchases, the thought that they're going to be you know in the market quickly as far as taking delivery of it now, and as far as pegging, you know just how bad the the uh, swine flu situation is over there, it's just it, really smoke and mirrors uh, from a big picture standpoint. So I think it's going to be months that we're going to be talking about this probably well into next year as well, and see how uh, it hits these U.S. markets. You know, Sam, I hope I don't jinx this by saying it, but we haven't seen a lot of African swine fever talk of, of spread outside of China in the news as of late. Could we possibly be seeing a die down as as more precautions are being taken across the world? Well, it's partly that, and it's partly just the shock factor. You know, you rip the Band-Aid off, everyone knows about it, uh, and now it's just deciphering, you know, uh, again, timing and how bad it is and how they're going to rectify it. And this trade work is kind of in the middle of all of that, too, um, where if we do or don't get a deal, you know, how does it impact all of that for them and for us? And I think that's going to be uh, a highlighted point here in the weeks and months ahead, uh, and, and you wonder if that actually helps, you know, put a little more power in terms of negotiating with something like that going on. Well, speaking of ripping off the Band-Aid, this cattle market, are we going to see some, some long-term effects from, from the entire Midwest weather that we've had from the floods to the blizzards affecting this market down the road? You know, I think so. I mean, I think part of the you know support here long-term, too, is, is you know, we mentioned the hogs. And, and if there's going to be interest there, could there actually be a, a deal that includes U.S. beef, which I would think it would. It's just, to, again, to what degree there. So I think there's some optimism in that long-term, but also just the, the short-term is where's the pent-up feeder demand going to be? How, how soon can it hit? Uh, you know, it could be May before these markets really try to normalize and, and decipher um, you know, what kind of death loss have we seen, the stress on the cattle, um, you know, what numbers are just going to be lost altogether, and when are things going to be fit again to, to, again, normalize the market and see what happens here. And if we get into well into May, cedar prices have been struggling here for the short term uh, with lots the way they are in the upper Midwest uh, here for the next, you know, two to four weeks still. Um, some of the forecasts are actually calling for some more wet weather here moving forward. That's not going to help anything along these Missouri River basins, um, you know, across parts of Nebraska, the Dakotas, and even into Iowa. So it could be a little bit a little while, I would think mid 140s to 150 is still possible here in this May contract. But we got to, as we take this March off the board, these spreads I would expect continue to be active here moving forward. Are we going to see any concerns? I mean, transportation has got to have some effects on, on making any purchases from the from the packers. But then that puts pressure on them to be able to meet the demand. Absolutely, and, and it's kind of you know we talked about uh, some of the impacts here in the in the corn and ethanol markets is you know them not being able to get what they need, but also, you know, what is, what's hindering them on getting supplies out. So, uh, you know, again, timing comes down to, uh, big factor comes down to timing, I guess, and just kind of taking things one week at a time. And, um, you know, there's going to be people out there that are going to be able to take advantage of that and, uh, and others that are just going to kind of be stuck in, uh, in tunnel vision here right now trying to get through the short term. Optimistically, though, we've got some sun out for the most part across the upper midwest we know that all the way into wisconsin even to you guys we've had a lot of snow it's been a long winter folks are ready to get out get those grills going again do you think that'll help to push some movement across the meat counter 
Oh gosh, I hope so at some point, and you got to keep those keep those temperatures rising here. And I'm sure that obviously they will over the long term big picture. But you know, you never know. It could be another 30 days of uh, some ho hum activity. And you know, what's what's crazy is still looking at pictures uh, in parts of the Dakotas and how much snow still needs to melt, and understanding that there's two to four feet of frost under the ground there still yet to come. Uh, so this thing is just really just beginning, even though the worst of it, uh, you know, may have already hit. We're still going to be dealing with this for quite some time. Well, as we get ready to wrap up the Fontenelle final bell, some some parting thoughts, some things that you want. First of all, the livestock guys to think about when doing some marketing plans during this adverse situations that we're in. Well, I think you got to recognize that some of these uh, these summer month cattle probably hold the biggest downside risk, but the market, especially when funds are holding such a large, long position there in the live cattle. So I just think you have to keep your, your bases open. Again, very similarly in the hogs, is, is know where your break-evens are. And there's several ways um, you know, to kind of skin that cat as far as locking in some sort of profitability and being ready for that. What is the best way for producers to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And, of course, don't forget that the fact that you're on Twitter... Uh, at Samuel B. Hudson. Wonderful. Thanks so much. It is the Fontenelle final bell for you on this Monday, being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.